episode 26 of the Lucas Grandsire podcast. Like I always say, very creative name, very creative guy, all that good stuff. Even my dog's name is creative. I literally named him after the color he is, so people appreciate that. But here we are with Craig Allen. It's been a very long time. We saw it before. It's been over a year. What's going on, man? How are you? I mean, it felt like it was just yesterday. We were chatting about that before the show. Like, it felt like I was here not that long ago, and I couldn't believe it's been so long. But, yeah, I mean, been a crazy year for for the sport, as everybody knows. I mean, we had, what, like a few weeks off. You get to retool a little bit, and then it was just right back to the races. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the spring. Obviously, this week, we don't have a UFC event, but we have Bellator. Braves got kind of a crazy card going on, and then you got all the one championship stuff starting up next month. So, it's always a good time to be an MMA fan. And I mean, it's always neat to kind of look outside of just the confines of the UFC. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad to be back. For sure, man. Would you believe me if I told you at UFC 260 while everybody was watching, I was dead sleep getting ready for work the next day? Holy crow. Un- un- I mean, unfortunately, like that's that's the way it is. I- I, I think what I'm going to do, because, uh, you know, as everybody's been doing it, we used to do like the fight companions way, way back when. And then we kind of took a break because it was just you're droning into a computer screen forever. And if there's nobody in the chat, it gets a little wonky, if you, especially <laughs> if you're doing like six yeah. hours. So yeah. we shortened it to just the pay-per-view. There's some people that tune in and, and have questions and whatnot. But uh, some of those reactions, I mean, I, I was wearing the Fight Name Picks baseball jersey. I ripped that thing off like... Oh, yeah. I had a pretty good time. So I'm going to try and clip some of that stuff so people can see it. But uh, listen, I mean, you were asleep. That's all right. It was a good card, though. It was uh, it was pretty good for I mean, listen, I'm not a celebrity fan. You're not a celebrity fan. So we couldn't be there live. Right. We're not we're not leveled up like your guest uh, or former guest, John Annick. So we're not there yet. That's right. But uh, it was it was pretty good for sure. Man, those fight companions, I feel like at, there was one time where it was like James Lynch was doing them and a, a few people sort of did it. And then one day Shaq hits me up and he's like, you want to hop on this fight companion? And now I feel like everyone has a fight companion. But it's like, you know, people, it's like the the two, three people that were doing it, they were going to have success. But now if you have 17 different ones to choose from, like everyone's numbers are about to get real shitty. Yeah, there's there's always competition out there. I mean, for us, like, you know, we have the previews and then we have the pre-show. But we've had a pre-show for a really long time. And it it's not like the name you wouldn't know, I guess. Because it starts out, it's question mark kicks is the name of it. What the hell right. is a question? Like, I know what a question mark kick is in MMA. I don't get to see it near enough, right? But what is that? So at least it's something totally different. But then there's only so many different ways to say, hey, come watch the fights with me. You, you could call it a live event companion. You can call it fight companion. There's a few different things. But yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of them out there. But it is... Like I said, it's a good chance for me to not sound as polished as maybe I do like in some of those previews because you got to, I mean, geez, the amount of tape study notes and you'd know that, especially from like interviews and getting ready for fights, you got to do it in a certain sequence, certain order. And those, it's kind of just off to the races and you kind of have a good time with it. So I look forward to them that way. But in a week off like this, it's always weird too. I mean, what do I do? I mean, that was the thing, too, when Shaq invited me on for the first time. He's like, we want to try this fight companion and stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, late at night like this with the people, you know, people are watching us and the fights. Do they want Lucas to sit down with a suit and tie with glasses on telling you about, oh, what a beautiful hook. And let's look at this footwork. Or do you want me to start talking some shit and then maybe give you some behind the scenes anecdotes about how Kevin Holland hates me or stuff like that? And, you know, I'm like, that's that's more fun for the people than me trying to be John Annick. I will never be John Annick. Hair, haircut wise, that's the closest we're going to get. So. People respond to the the more casual, fun things, but you still have to be careful 
that you're not talking shit about people while you're like, doing it. The the best part, and a couple people had a laugh about it, you know, like, again, you, you take yourself seriously and you try and be as professional as you can. But at the same time, you're breaking down that wall where it's conversation between myself, Matt, the people that are tuning in and watching the fight. So you're right. You can't be the John Anik. You can't even be, you know, the one thing that I really like to do once, you know, borders open up and I can come back to the States or even borders like if the border with nova scotia opened up and i could cover fight league atlantic it's you know i'd love to try to do like a broadcast or try to do the fights live do the anic do the you know mike goldberg so on and so forth so you're trying to do that but at the same time yeah you got to have a little bit of fun with it but this the aside here and a few people caught it when we did the fight companion we have this thing where we go oh that's a pop and popcorn fight like if it's one that i wouldn't gamble on or just in general i want to sit back and enjoy this fight well we always have the props so i've got the soda stream and i've got a popcorn maker and it's just you know the cheap little one and spins and pops and you put it in the bowl so i always make that stuff up before the fight so we sit there we're ready for it you've got your popcorn lucas that's a prop it's a prop you pick it up you go look at this and then you let the other guy talk and you take a couple pieces eat it quick have a drink and then keep talking but matt just takes it as I'm snacking this whole time. So when I'm done my, you know, two, three minute thing that I have to say and I stop and then I give it to Matt and I'm not paying attention. The kid's got a mouthful of popcorn. You look pretty silly. So anybody out there, if you have any props, don't eat your props. Just just keep them to the side. They're just props. That, that was the thing is the, the first time I ever did one, you know, I was coming off work and I had, uh, you know, very tired and all that stuff. So I was like, let me have this energy drink with me. And that way, regularly, you know, sipping and all that stuff. And, you know, we went with Banks. It's, you know, UFC, all that good stuff. And uh, didn't, oh, I feel like you got you got something for us. Okay, like, so your guy, John Anik's a big uh, energy drink guy, right? I think so. Uh, oh, yeah, P huge. P3, P3 and Modelo, I think that's what he's <laughs> But I'm pretty sure he's a Red Bull guy. I, I hate to cut you off, but this is the one thing you have to do. If you know you're going to be chugging Red Bulls, which for me on Saturday night, it was a King Can before the first show and then a King Can during the second show. I'm pretty good at figuring it out. I have done one of the pre-shows and I had to apologize for it while I was doing the show. If you if you do that on an empty stomach, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I did that empty stomach, chugged it during the show. And then right near the end, I went, listen, I got to be honest. I can't focus for shit. So <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to just figure out whatever we're doing here, Matt. And we'll go from there, but you got to be careful with those. There's that. There's the peeing thing, and the main thing I was worried about. So I put I put it down next to me, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna strategically take some sips. And then I got in my head about I don't want to be the guy that's like sipping right in the mic, you know, where every time somebody else is talking, you hear like a, and it's like you know, Lucas, it's very distracting, very annoying. Obviously, you got it down where you know you can do it and it looks normal, but I was so worried about it. It just sat there and it went from cold to room temperature, and the whole time I'm thinking like at some point we're gonna and and nothing happened of it. Between the drinking and then the other thing that's really hard to figure out, and especially in these live shows, and I, I even, like, I'll start to do it now, and it's like, A, are you the annoying broadcaster? And in my case, are you the annoying older brother? Where Matt gets fired up about something, and he's like, yeah! But he's moving forward into the mic. So oh, he's yeah. done his thing, and I went, I apologize to everybody, we just burst your eardrums, but... <laughs> Just back up or look up to the ceiling and do it. Like, that's all. But it, again, it all comes like you get it with practice and you figure it out, really. 
Well, I feel like doing it with your brother, like if if it was like like if Shaq did something like that, I wouldn't say anything to him. But if it was my brother, it'd be like, hey, dumbass. Like, you know, I'd be quick, quick to anger <laughs> and quick to say something to him. It's like, you know, I know you too damn well, let you get away with that. So I feel like for you, it's worse because and you're the older brother. So it's like at, at this point, you know, he's he's in for it if he does anything like that. Oh, well, I mean, I, I wasn't too fired up, but I mean, like those fights, whether you watch them live or whether you woke up and watched them on Sunday or after the fact on Sunday, whatever. I mean, there's a lot to get excited about for sure. Oh man. Like, you know, I, I woke up and in the past I've done the thing where it's like, you know, you don't look at your phone, put on five pass and just watch it. And still the one I did it with was in Ganu versus Cain Velasquez. And I was still in France. Like obviously the time change is a tough one. And I'm like, I'm ignoring the results. And then you accidentally look at how much time is left on the broadcast. The fight hasn't started. And I see there's 10 minutes left. So I'm like, oh my, somebody, somebody's getting finished. And then it's like, you know, who who do you think? Look at the, and sure enough, fight starts, boom, boom, Kane is out. And I was like, damn, kind of ruined it for myself. But it's it's very difficult to to pretend to watch them live when it's not. And, and, and your phone's sitting there trying to spoil it for you too. And I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, go behind the fourth wall, so to speak. Like I've seen some messages today, like where, where's Vittori Till? Give us Vittori Till. <laughs> Calm yeah. down. I like, you know, you do the preview game and then midweek there's updates and then you have the shows on Saturday and then Sunday's tape study and you're doing graphics and it's all over again. You got to take a break at some point. So this is a welcome like week and a bit off where I don't have to do all of that. I can do some more creative stuff and just get my head out of it. But you're right. I mean, in that grind, yeah, it's it's tricky. And then to not watch them, like I've gotten in trouble so people have asked about Askren and uh, the Paul fight there. I could care less about that because when we took a week off from UFC, we wanted to get creative. We thought, well, what can we do? Let's do Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Like the card was good. Rashad Coulter was supposed to fight Haseem Rahman Jr. Like that was exciting. There was a little bit of an MMA angle with some of it. And for me, and Matt knows this, and some people know it, I was a huge Nate Robinson fan. Like I have a Celtics Nate Robinson Jersey from when we went to go see them play the Timberwolves. So I was so excited to see Nate Robinson fight, obviously knowing that Jake Paul was going to win. But so we did a preview show of that and we poured our heart and soul into it. I've never gotten so much hate in my whole career of covering combat sports than doing that. So for anybody out there that wants to hear a peep out of me with the Askren Paul stuff, it's not going to happen, but like the week off, very, very welcome. You need time to recharge. You you spoke about the hate a little bit. And the thing that always makes me laugh is when your stuff gets posted on Reddit and everybody's always talking about, you know, the children that's doing <laughs> the previews. And I'm laughing because, you know, I'm like, I go through the same thing. And you guys, or I don't know about your brother, but I know you're older than me. So it makes me laugh. It's like, you know, I, I just imagine like, uh, you know, kid, random kids talking about the fight. And in reality, it's like, these are grown people. Like Craig is married. Craig is a grown ass man. Like, oh, I, it, I it kills me. I don't know, like maybe I got to grow like Matt had like a weird goatee going for a little bit. Now he's got the shag with the hair. I mean, I could just put the ring up all the time. But I mean, you know, yeah. we all know those people that got married like right out of high school. So I could be one of them, too. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things you just kind of have to break out of it. And then the other thing that you notice, too, and I'm sure you've seen this is, you know, I started. What are we? The 29th. I know exactly when we started. We started April 4th, 2018. That was when I was like, all right, doing a podcast had no idea what I was doing. But when I started, it was a podcast and then it was a radio show and then it was YouTube. And then it slowly snowballed into YouTube to where 2019, pretty much everything was on YouTube. We didn't even focus on the podcast. 
And then in 2020, we kind of went back and went, well, geez, we probably should be posting some podcasts. And now we're kind of branching out a little bit more from it. But now it's like, nobody remembers anything we ever did before because they weren't there then. And now we're just like, you guys are fighting eight picks and you have to pick every single fight. Yeah. And if you're not doing it, then forget about you. So yeah, it's a weird, it's kind of weird how things have gone like the last couple of years and you kind of get pigeonholed a little bit, but you just got to take it all in stride. And it's the same thing. Like you read the comments and I, I sent, cause uh, we've, we've got a new guy. Uh, working with us as an editor and Joshua Hart. And uh, I sent him a message over the weekend. I was like, listen, you know, I read a lot of the comments, but at the end of the day, it's got to be like water off a duck's back. You know, you have a good weekend. Nobody ever comments. You have a terrible weekend. And it seems like everybody in their dog has something to say about you. So it's just, I really like, I used to, you know, you take some of it to heart, you focus on it quite a bit. Now it's like, you know, Sure, there's some very good constructive criticism out there, and I'm definitely going to listen to it. But 90% of the criticism is just like, you know, some troll with the letter T on their YouTube banner. And that's yeah. like, that's it. Like, they're just out there to be to be mean and to stir stir the pot, I guess. It's crazy because a lot of people, they think because they discovered you, like you started making content at the same time they discovered you. Like I've had some people where it's like, well, how long have you been covering the sport? And it's like five years. Like what? And it's like, yeah, I mean, just because you haven't seen it. So, I mean, sometimes you do feel like you're you're working under a rock, like you're doing stuff and you're the only one that sees it. And then people are like, how are you getting these interviews? Like, my God, I've been grinding. Like, you know, I some of these guys I talk to on the regional scene and it's like, nah, you haven't been around that long. I, I have. It's just nobody, <laughs> nobody knows who I am. Uh there was somebody last week and the comment was, uh, you know, these guys are just really big fans of the sport. Da, 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 da. Hmm. But like I go to the shows and I cover them and then yeah. like I talk about them and I used to do fighter interviews. Now I don't, but we have fighter. Like, I don't know It again, you just don't really don't sit on it. Don't chew on it too much. Of course I have with that one. Cause it's stuck in my brain, but yeah, just keep moving forward. The, the fan thing is weird because, I, you know, at first when the fans would say that, it's like, you know, I, obviously you start off as a fan. And the reason you cover this sport that's so little money is because you're a fan. But at some point, you do want people to see you as, you know, I'm not one of you guys who gets to talk to these guys. Like, you know, I'm doing it because, you know, I want to turn this into a career. And But the fans, I managed to let that one go if they say I'm a fan. But if you have a journalist that doesn't like, you know, somebody else that covers MMA that doesn't acknowledge where you're at or, you know, they're, they're like, uh, I'm up here and you're just a guy, blah, blah, blah. That one does sting. I'm not going to lie to you. That is the one where you're kind of like, that hurts, man. I thought we were counterparts. I've only ever had one person in MMA really, it was a fighter. And I, I finished, the interview didn't go well. And I've talked about this one before, but the interview went poorly. Um, it was a he, he was in his truck you, doing I the interview. You, you can't tell us the fighter's name, I assume. I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> He's okay. Canadian though. I will say that, but he was in his truck. He did the interview. It was choppy. Like, you know, it's a person driving down the highway in their truck. You can't yeah. really hear all that great. Now, mind you, this is back. Listen, I, I had like giant headphones, no microphone, like the microphone and the headphone. Like it was just, it was a bad setup. The lighting was just, none of it was good. Holding my phone up to the microphone. Cause that's all I could think of, which right. I think is what most people would end up doing anyway. But I was right at the start. So anyway, I'm doing this interview. He cut out midway and then he popped back in. So I did up the graphic. I put it out on Twitter and I was creative. And when I first started, I followed a model of fighter name, 
and then in brackets at and their their what what do you call it their handle their handle you got it exactly yeah. put the handle in there did up the right the like the little blurb the link the picture yep. and so on and the guy messaged me back at the end of it he's like lol you're an amateur you don't know what you're doing and then he gave me a blurb that i should have written up about him which was something that like a promoter would have put out i'm not your promoter like <laughs> what no and then he just kept going on and on and at the end of it like he was initiating it and i just went all right have a nice day thanks for talking and never and i've had the funny thing is recently there was an opportunity to you know talk to him again and i just no no interest in talking to him he won't remember it but i do so i've only ever had that happen one time and i've felt this way before but after that one it was like all right this is the big one like just treat people the way you want to be treated like don't you're not above anybody. Don't be like that. Like you just, cause I mean, it's stuck with me and it's been like two plus years since then. So yeah, just don't do that. Don't do that to people. I had kind of a similar situation where, you know, the first time I ever, and I'll say his name cause you can literally find the interview. It's not, but Tanner Bozer, I talked to him for sure dog. And you know, at the time I was in France, so it was tough to watch a lot of fights live and stuff like that. So before talking to him, like the interview came together pretty quickly because at, at SureDog, I was just volume. I had to get 15 done a month. I'm trying to talk with whoever. And this guy, I didn't look at any pre-fight interviews or anything. I just kind of went into it. Like I'm aware of his record, kind of his fight style. And that was a big mistake because Tanner is not someone you want to go into an interview with without being prepared. And man, <laughs> no. even, even James Lynch was like, wow, he got hostile quick. And I was like, yeah, and that's my fault. But, uh, you know, the thing is, I wanted to talk to him like, listen, you you just signed to the UFC. You know what I mean? There's an experience name because you haven't fought there. And, you know, and he's like, how so? What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, man. And then, you know, I'm like, you have a mullet. What's the story? There's no story. I cut my hair like this. I was like, wow, this guy's tough. I he was one of the first interviews I ever did. But when I first started Fight Night Picks, the point was UFC's cool. But I'm going to try my angle at one championship, KSW, ACB at the time. Like, so I got super hooked on Piotr Jan and Askar Askarov. And that's not a tire pump because it came with the territory. Like, there's so many good fighters that were with the promotion. Tanner Bozer was one of them. So when I got him, I was like, man, what was it like fighting for ACB in Montreal? Like, how cool is that to be for a Russian promotion, but fighting in Canada? And what if the, and in the interview, he's like, man, I don't want to sign to the UFC. Like, like they passed over me already. I don't want to be there. Like this is the way to go. The money's good. So my experience was great, yeah. but uh, my guy was in one of the lower weight classes. Now, that, so the thing about Tanner, it makes me think of your story because you know I had he had another fight, and then I was like, you know what? Because some some guys just sort of give up, where you're like, okay, you know what? Like we're never gonna have a good you know interview, whatever. So whatever. But with him. I was like, you know what? That was my fault if it went badly. So let me see if I can talk to him a second time and see it as kind of a challenge. Second time around, I got great views. Interview was decent. But my thing was like, listen, he doesn't, he, a lot of fighters, they give you this bullshit. Like, oh, I learned a lot from my last loss and blah, blah. Tanner's like, nah, I didn't learn anything. You don't always learn stuff. So I was like, okay, this guy, like if he thinks it, he's going to say it. So he's not going to hit you with bullshit answers. So don't give him bullshit questions. And it went well, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I say that confidently, maybe I'm wrong. If I hit him up again, he would do the interview. But mentally, it was like, you know, I fixed it. Like that, like this guy, you know, it doesn't take no shit. So I got to make sure my questions aren't shit. No, he's uh, he's one of the more interesting interviews out there. Because like you said, he just calls it like he sees it. And he's <laughs> yes. not, yeah, he's not going to give Canadian. you form answers. Like he's definitely not a, not a hockey player. That's for sure. Like he, he 
T they're good. They're always interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's fun too, because if every interview is just bullshit, like, you know, I really like this matchup, my boxing, or you got a guy that's like, you like the matchup? Yeah, it's all right. You know, but I don't care. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's more interesting too. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Again, I mean, the last interview I did was in December. I don't do a whole lot of them. I mean, we had uh, it, we tried to relaunch this week in MMA, which we're going to relaunch this week. So how cool is that? But the last one was in December. Before that, it was like a year before. But we had Adrian Yanez on. And I mean, it was before that. You're right. He does a lot of interviews, but they're always like I find his, the quality is really good. Like he speaks very well. Now I know he's a Dr. Pepper guy. I'm a Dr. Pepper guy. So that's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, no, he he's a good one, and he made it interesting too. So it, it was good. But the the trouble when I first started, and I was doing a lot of interviews. Like it was probably two or two or three a week, or two to four a week, because I'd have two on each podcast: one podcast Monday, one on Friday. It was so much. But the thing that bugged me the most, and this is what turned me off of it, was getting ready for one and doing so much prep work, and then it falls apart. Yeah, and again, like you you know. You can't get too upset about it. You just got to take it on the chin and move to the next one. But I had a hard time with that. Uh, it happened to me on this podcast where I was supposed to have Alex Nicholson and I put out the graphic and everything. And then I, now I Craig knew, Allen's here. I knew. Yeah, exactly. Now we got Craig Allen, which is even better, but you know, a better heavyweight. But now it was like skater, you knew- skaters going to skate, Lucas. Skaters exactly. Can skate. Exactly. But I, I knew he was a flight risk, but I was like, you know what? We've been talking back and forth if it happens. And sure enough, it's like, here's the link to join me, man scene oh it's like damn that hurts and then uh will brooks was supposed to come on too and then with that one everything's good to go and then last minute flaked and you know you can sit there and cry about it you can be like you know what let's just move on to somebody else and then we end up with craig we end up with the all-star here himself so you know that's that's just how it works hey man third time's the charm right yeah yeah exactly you know instead of crying about it we you know we, we have craig tell us about uh fight night picks but no, one thing I do want to touch on though is that you you mentioned you guys are doing things a little bit different. I saw you brought in John Coe to do some interviews. Like, what are you what are you guys trying to turn Fight Night picks into? Because it looks like things are getting interesting. Trying to get away from just this. Cause yeah. just this, like I said, it's it's uh it's a grind. And the thing that happens, you know, everybody gets burnt out. It yeah. happens. I mean, I was burnt out that one week. Which card what it was. It might have been the Blades Lewis card that was scheduled the first time. I think it was that card that we took off. But there was a week where it was like, you know what? On Saturday, the fights were going on. And we went, listen, next weekend, we we have to take a break. We have to do something else. And people got riled up. So <laughs> instead of just going, I'm not doing anything. And I'll put a post out on Twitter that maybe somebody doesn't see. Or I put it on Instagram. We made a video where I held pads for Matt. And then we said, we're going to revamp this week in MMA. People got excited. And then we had Yanez on. We had Canadian country music star Taybay on. And if you haven't listened to Taybay, you should, because he's great. Um, but we had him on, because he's a big UFC fan. And we did that. We did the Tyson Jones stuff. People got riled up about both. And then you get back into the picks, and it's just, it's the same thing every single week to where I like to think. I have a good enough memory. Like when I was a kid, I don't know. Again, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I would always play like MLB, the show NHL. I play like Madden. I'd always play those games and I'd memorize stat lines. And then I was a kid that like 
I have a pretty big baseball and hockey card collection. Cool thing most people probably didn't know about Craig Allen. Does my wife like it? No, because it takes up a lot of space in the closets. And they sit there now. But when I was a kid, you pick up a baseball card. And I know, geez, David Ortiz hitting 281 right now with 13 homers and 35 ribbies. And I know that like month by month, but year by year. So that's that's how it helped getting into MMA. I liked MMA. I figured what's the best way to get into it. That's the way that I'm going to go at it. But now it's like, let's think. I mean, we had an interview with Jack Shore drop today. He's fighting Hunter Azure. Did I remember what Hunter Azure's last fight was off the top of my head? No. If I was still just a fan, maybe I would have remembered. But doing so many fights every single week, you lose track. I mean, I remember Jack Shore had a fight with Khalid Taha back in, what, November, December. I had no idea why it fell out because Kalataha ended up taking a fight and boom goes the dynamite. It's just, there's so much repetition. And then the, the other thing too is, you know, people want Bellator, people want one, people want KSW, PFL. It's, uh, yeah, I, I want to cover those. I want to talk about them. And I want to talk about them more like we're talking right now, a little bit laid back. I don't have to be so like to the point, but I can turn it on at certain points. And so we're kind of trying to do that. If, if anybody's really kind of looking into the nuts and bolts of things, we're just trying to diversify a little bit and not just be, and that's the funny thing, not just be that. Cause when this started, it wasn't just picks. It was a podcast about everything. And then I kind of leaned into the name a little bit too hard maybe. And so now we just got to kind of pull back the curtain and, and go back to what we were doing before. I mean, do you guys have to do something similar to like a KFC, for example, where it's like you just go by like FNP and it's no longer like every time you say so that pe- that way people think less about the picks because it sounds like you guys have an aggressive fan base, too. We so I said we've got a live show on Saturdays and it's called Question Mark Kicks. It's QMK. <clears throat> Most people know it is QMK. So if I can make a show that has nothing to do with, hey, this is a final preview of the week to Oh, I got to check out QMK at the end of the week. Yeah, I mean, FNP kind of hits. Um, FNP recaps just dropped for uh, for UFC 260 with Matt and John. So, yeah, we've, we've tried to do that. I mean, early stoppage, even just making it ES. Like, <laughs> there's things like that. So, yeah, I it's it's all a fun game. And you just get to test things out and see if they work. And if you talk about, uh, you know, fantasy or, or exhibition boxing matches, people won't like it. And you, you learn from it. The, the crazy thing about the picking fights is, you know, how big gambling is now in MMA. I feel like they legalized it in the States. And then all of a sudden it's like people get a great, even for interviews, like people are like telling you what questions to ask or, you know, they're using your interviews to set their, their own picks. And that's terrifying. You're like, hold on, like, you know, don't put, put me responsible. I'm just asking stuff. So, and I assume for you guys with the picks, people, people are using that, you know, to, to make money, which is a terrifying thing. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, with the, with the whole picking thing, like we, this is where it gets fun. So there's always a structure, short intro, fighter, a fighter, B part C equal opportunity in this fight. And why part D here's the odds and let's, pair those with the topology votes people go oh the topology votes don't care all right sure they don't but your hardcore mma fans that are really tuned into the fights they're going to care enough to sign into a website 
to tell the website who they think is going to win. <laughs> so it's just like um, Verdict MMA or any of the other sites or apps that are out there. If somebody takes the time, if there's 3,500 to 4,000 people to vote on those, then there's a decent likelihood that one of those two could win. But it's always comparing them to the odds because if, let's say, Fighter A is a minus 250 favorite, but on Topology, only 10% of the fans have them. Like, why is there such a difference? So it's a talking point there. And then there's like a 30-second, this is my pick and here's why. And you see it in the analytics that you have a big spike at the start and you have a huge spike at the end. And in the middle, it looks like a canoe going like that. Yeah. So. I get it. People are only in it for the picks. And the, the funniest thing is you lay out a game plan for one person to win. And then at the end, you flip the pick, you get it wrong. And everybody gives you a hard time. It's like, Hey, you didn't even listen to the video. Like I, maybe I'll make something up. Maybe I said Stipe was going to mop the floor with Francis or, or vice versa. I said, Francis is going to mop the floor with Stipe. And at the end, I put Stipe and everybody gets mad at me. Well, clearly you didn't watch the video. But nobody cares. So yeah, it's it's always fun that way. And to the to to the point of the whole gambling thing, um, we got we got a couple comments this week that were like, "Why don't you dive into the gambling aspect a little bit more? Why don't you make it more like that?" Because there's all sorts of shows like that out there, and I just like to have a different spin on it. So I'm gonna keep doing my thing. And you know, if you want to seek that stuff out, then by all means, check it out on some of the other channels. And that's the other thing too. There's a lot of other great creators. You see best fight picks. You got Dan, uh, you got what line sniper. You've got man with MMA lock of the night. Like that's the best part. Where's the lock of the night. Well, go watch man preach channel. Like that's what we, we always say that go check him out. Cause that's his thing. We're just going to keep doing just picks. And if you go with them, then kudos to you. I feel like that's the thing too, where some, some people are kind of scared to acknowledge that there are other creators, right? That do stuff that are different. Like people ask me all the time, like, how do you record your interviews and stuff? Most of the time, I'm just sending them out to James Lynch's videos. And I'm like, Hey man, that's, you know, don't even come to me. Like that's, that's the master right there. He's got everything. Just do that. You know what I mean? But some people are, you know, they're more conceited and it's like, you know, let me go through the big process. Like it's okay to acknowledge that there are other people that do things and even better than you and stuff like that. And you know, you just because you don't you pretend they don't exist doesn't mean they're not real. No, that's it. And I mean, the the one other thing that uh, and listen, if you're an MMA fan, don't take this personally. But there's a lot of MMA fans out there and it's more Twitter than it is anything. And we again, you want to talk break the fourth wall on YouTube during our shows. We say this all the time. If you're on MMA Twitter and Ariel's a great example and I don't want to pick on him, but he has a great thing going with ESPN and the NBA, right? And he's a huge NBA fan. If you were Ariel Helwani and you're huge Knicks fans and just basketball fan in general, and they said, hey, Lucas, we're going to give you a microphone. Do you want to do sideline interviews? What? Yeah, you're going to say, yeah. Don't get mad at him for it, but that's a big thing. If you're over on Twitter, listen, I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big hockey fan. Um, I like a lot of different sports. But if I talk about them on Twitter, like no dice. Stay in your lane. But on YouTube, I can talk about, remember the time that Robert Ori hip checked Steve Nash into the scorers table and it totally changed the playoffs that year. Like I can, I can say things like that. Like, remember that dream team Suns team that had Amari Stoudemire and Barboza and all those great players. And people like some people are going to get the reference. Some people are going to not get it. Don't care. So you can kind of play around with that, but that's the, biggest thing I like I've noticed over the years with MMA fans is 
you go on the different platforms and everybody's so different. That's the talk I had with James Lynch too, because I think the second episode of the podcast I had a celebrity nutritionist on. And so, you know, he's like a legitimately famous person. He's out there with, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and stuff. So I'm like, holy crap, the views are terrible. And I'm talking about it with James Lynch. And he's like, you got to understand your audience. Like these are MMA fans. And once I realized that, it was like, oh yeah, I can't tweet about the Charlotte Hornets. You know, I can't, I can't do a podcast. Someone's got nothing to do with MMA because, you know, I'm not famous, but it's like the people that do follow my work, they, that's what they're in there for. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too, with like, you know, if, if I try to diversify, go look at my attempts, the views are nowhere near the, the picks. So you got to kind of tread lightly. You got to pay attention to the numbers. And if it really falls off, then there's probably not a lot of sense in doing it. And that's why it kind of scares me. You know, if a, a decent chunk of people say, and you know, you throw out the YouTube community polls, Hey, what other content do you want other than just the UFC? 70% say Bellator and it's 2000 votes. Well, geez, maybe I should do a Bellator video. And then I do a Bellator video. The picks are great. I think the last time we did one, we were like six and two or seven and one. Like you're knocking it out of the park, but nobody watched it. So it's, it's, it's a weird balance that you just have to kind of figure out as you go. The weird thing with, with the, you know, the MMA fans, like you mentioned, is that they say they want one thing, but then when you do it, they don't watch it. You know, they're like, you guys need to cover the original scene. Are you going to watch it if I do it? Oh, no, but you need to do it. It's, it's like, that's who we're making content for, dumbass. Like, we're making it for you. Like, if you want it, watch it. Or people are like, oh, support my guy, Lucas. Like, okay, do you support me? Like, are you subscribed and stuff? Oh, no. So why are you saying that, man? Like, you know, what? you can't, you know, we're depending on other people and you're telling people to do stuff, but you're not doing it yourself. So these people are very weird. It's tricky. And then, you know, to go back to the fan aspect thing too, like I covered one UFC event where I was there in person for fight night picks. It was in 2018. Does anybody know? No. I mean, I've got a po I've, I've got the poster there and I'm always like, Hey, remember that time that Vulcan Uzdemir <laughs> fought Anthony Smith? Yeah. Craig Allen was there but nobody does. So yeah, it's, it's a funny one. And then the other thing, like, you know, you kind of talked about it. I can't wait to get back to the States. I can't wait to get back to Nova Scotia or well, I, I wasn't even at the first fight league Atlantic, but I can't wait to, I love the province, but go there when they have fights or go back down to Maine when they have fights or, you know, knock wood, drive down to Connecticut or New York or whatever. I mean, Connecticut to get to Uncasville is 10 hours. So that's a long drive to cover it. And then again, you never know how it's going to be received, especially with Bellator. But I can't wait to get back out there. But the last time I covered a fight event, I think it was February 10th, 2020. It was uh, Bruce Boynton and the Bermudez Triangle, Manny Bermudez, NEF. So, yeah. And, and then even there, too. For me, I look at it with, with the regional events. It's just an opportunity to get reps. And I'm sure you've kind of been in a situation where – like even with the UFC, the UFC was one of the first shows I ever covered in general. You go there, you're a one man crew or a one woman crew. Like it's you, your laptop, your camera, and you got to zip around and you have to do everything. You produce it, you shoot it, you, you do everything. Those are awesome skills to have. So if there is somebody out there that's listening, that is thinking about doing these things. And like you said, you've had the questions about well, how do I do the interviews or what gear do you have? James does an awesome job yeah. and he's a really good sounding board too, to go back and forth with um, the, the one person show, so to speak, if you get the opportunity to cover, and I would definitely say like a smaller regional scene, 
show, do it. Ask the promoter and do it. And I've, I got caught in a sticky situation really early on where we had an upstart promotion that was, they had six shows overseas and then they tried to make a go of it in New Brunswick. And it was Matt and I, it was Matt's first MMA show that he covered himself. He manned a t-shirt booth. We had probably 40 t-shirts and we sold two because people felt bad for us. But we went to that and the promoter was like, Hey, can I put my, uh, can I put my logo on your shirts? If you're going to come and, and sell shirts. And I was like, well, a, I don't have any money, but B, if I have 40 shirts, knowing in my head full well, nobody knows who I am anyway. I'm not putting your logo on my shirt. And he basically held it over me. Like, you're not going to cover this event if you don't put my logo on your shirt and I get a cut. So I hit up Josh Gross and I was like, straight up. I was auxiliary MMA JA. I'm somehow still, I think. I don't know. But I hit up Josh Gross and I was like, hey, you have a ton of experience and you have experience with the UFC and some of these things. So like, what do you think? And he gave me really, really sound advice. So to me, there's lots of great MMA media members out there um, that can help you out. For me, I mean, James was a huge help. Josh was a huge help when I was starting out. Like there's, there's a lot of really good people out there. The, the funny thing, you mentioned the events, like everybody's always saying like, go out and cover these regional events and stuff. People are saying that to me and uh, I really got into covering MMA when I moved to France, right? Perfect timing. The fights are on at a stupid time and everybody's like, yeah. And there's no this- regional scenes that you can cover? That's the thing. Everybody, and some people are getting mad at me. It's like, why aren't you at these events? What events? Show me the events I should be at. There are no events. And then, you know, and then you sort of get to a point where you get big enough that some people start to recognize your name and they think you're at some of these events. And it's like, Everything I know about covering MMA comes from James Lynch's vlogs. Like just seeing what he does. Like I know I need to buy protein bars and, you know, have a good laptop. Like, you know, but you do reach a point where it's almost like you've done too much at this point to admit that it's like, you know, I, I physically was not able to get to these events. Yeah, the, the listen, I mean, if you're if you're covering some of those regional shows, for me, I have to cross an international border to do it. I mean, for us here in New Brunswick, there's one, really there's three promotions. One is up north and it's a French promotion and they cross boxing and kickboxing and MMA, but they're, they're not the highest like level of fights and it's a, it's a drive. It's a jaunt. So no, there's one in Fredericton, but they haven't had a show in three years. Um, the promoters, local boxer that's, you know, everybody has one of those local combat sports legends. He's one of them. Um, and yeah, he ran into some issues with actually having shows in the arenas here. There was a couple fights in the stands, whatever. One of my biggest, like, actual written articles I interviewed. It was it was pretty cool. But, yeah, safe to say, not a lot of shows in Fredericton where I'm from. And then in Moncton, they have Elite One. And they've had, like, Butterbean was on one of their shows. Robin Black fought for them at one point. Like, they have shows. But it usually happens where they'll have a show, and it coincides with NEF. And I like going to Maine anyway, so I usually just go to Maine anyway. But when you're going to those, like, always pack a couple of, you know, pairs of... I You, you got to make sure you dress up for it, even though you might feel silly and you're the only one. Like, I'll wear a jacket and a button-up shirt and, like, dress it up a little bit. You got to make sure you have all of your equipment before you leave. And the one thing I would say, and I've run into this problem and I still haven't fixed it, make sure you bring a power bank. Because you can't just depend on the venue to actually have power there. And I've gotten into a crunch where it's like, hey, Mr. Promoter, you think somebody could run an extension cord over because my computer's going to die? So it's always tricky that way. Gatorade, water, and energy drinks. 
and be prepared if you're sitting next to the cage to get splattered because uh yeah and make sure you clean your stuff up if you're going to cross an international border because that's kind of gross too the, the the crazy thing is I feel like, you know, covering like say a UFC event where you recognize pretty much most of these media members is, you know, you feel a little bit like you're in high school again. You know what I mean? Where like you show up to, I don't know, something like an event or something. Then you got to figure out like, do I talk to the people I've never talked to in person before? Do I chill and pretend I'm on my phone? Like, I feel like there'd be a moment of, holy shit, it's all these guys that I think I know in theory. But then it's like, oh man, I'm not sure I want to go bother these guys. You know what I mean? It's nerve wracking. So... The smaller regional shows, it's usually the same cast and crew. I mean, it's, it's, I'd say 90% are from Maine if I go cover NEF. There's Western Mass MMA that's there, and one of the promoters is from Massachusetts and one's from Maine. So, you know, you, you talk to the promoters because it's a small show. I'm the only one from Canada that's going to cover it. So there's that. And then I usually go around and chat a little bit. Uh, Ryan Gerald, you know him, does fighter interviews. He goes and covers them too. So I'll have a chat with him. And then I just kind of sit down and insulate myself and do my work. And then <laughs> as soon as the fights are over and thanks for having me and I'm gone and I'm usually at a Denny's cause we don't have Denny's right where I'm at. So I get excited about uh, the breakfast foods at night, but covering the UFC, I mean, only having the experience with the one show, it was unfortunate because they do interviews with TSN and Aaron Bronstetter, but it was all, you know, satellite and in a studio or whatever. Yeah. It was me Jay Anderson from Cage Side Press and Mike Bond with MMA Junkie. And that was about it for people that were there all week. You had your, you know, local radio, local newspapers, and there's one company out of Moncton that covered it as well. Um, and they were kind of in and out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there were three of us there all week. So I had the opportunity to kind of sit down, talk shop with both of them and, and really stand up guys too. So it was kind of neat, but yeah, I can't imagine like, you know, you go for international fight week and there's like a hundred media members yeah. and you know, probably every one of them by name. I don't know what you do in that circumstance. <laughs> Try not to get nervous. Or even I had, uh, uh, I was listening to something Luke Thomas was doing and he's like, you know, and come introduce yourself. How the fuck, like, you know, I'm going to come off like this, this real douchebag, like, Hey, Luke Thomas, <laughs> I'm Luke. It's like, okay. And why do I care? Oh, you, you don't, but here I am being confident, like, oh, I'm going to be your coworker someday. No, probably not. So that's, you know, people say stuff like that. And then you're like, do it in person. Like, oh, that's a different ball game. I, yeah, it was funny. You know, like you talk about media members. I went to the UFC 220. It was, it was one of the press conferences before because free for the fans. I was a fan then it was right before fight night picks started. So anyway, me and my buddy showed up like as early as we could to get in to get the best seats for this. And I mean, you've seen them before on TV. It's just, it's the same way they do it in Vegas. You know, the seats go down and probably the first, I'd say 15 rows are reserved for like friends, family and media. And then the media kind of sits more in the center. And then behind that, it's all the fans. And there were a lot of fans there. I mean, that was getting ready for UFC 220. Who else? Habib was there with Tony and Max was there with, I want to say, was it Frankie? Maybe I'd have to look at my phone. Maybe, maybe anyway, doesn't matter, but they were getting ready for some big fights and you see like, I don't know. You see like all the big names, like Stefan Struve was sitting up there for some reason. Ariel was there. The amount of people. So Ariel stood in one stairwell and there was a line all the way back to the concession of people walking up to take pictures with Ariel. And he took time with everybody. 
And then he went across the row to the other stairwell and there was a line as long of people. And he took pictures with anybody that wanted a picture. Ariel took the time to shake their hand, have a cut. Now listen, in these times, we're probably not doing that anymore, but to shake their hand, have a conversation and like stick around. So, I mean, he did a great job, but I mean, he's the one that, that everybody's going to want to talk to, but it's, it's kind of crazy in those situations. It's crazy when you hear that there's like a journalist that's like bigger than the fighters, you know what I mean? Or even like a good example is people were like, when are these guys going to stop fawning over Joe Rogan? Like, you know, they're doing the post-fight interviews and half of it is them drooling and hoping to get invited on the podcast. And it's like, you know, it's crazy when you see how big they are. And then, you you know, some people, they think they're going to come in and beat Ariel. It's like, my God, there's a reason we have one Ariel. Like even Brett's huge, but he's not Ariel. You know what I mean? Like everyone comes in, I'm going to be the next Ariel. I mean, you're not going to be the next anything. You're going to be yourself. But it's crazy how how huge he's gotten. Like, you got to have your thing, too. I mean, for me, like, we've got our little catchphrases and all that stuff. And, you know, like, you kind of make it your own. But look at the Schmo. I mean, Dave Schmollinson just kind of decided, hey, this is going to be my thing. And he's he's right up there. Like, it's, it's almost 1A, 1B. It's kind of crazy. And for Ariel, I mean, he was grinding and grinding for years and years to get where he is. It's not like, you know, he just, boom, here's the shot on ESPN. It was... MMA fighting and before that smaller sites and so on and so yeah. forth. So for a lot of people out there, like you can't just expect instant success. If you get lucky, you get lucky, but it's a lot of hard work that goes into it. It's funny. You talk about the schmo and then you follow with that because I was listening, I think his first episode of the podcast, something like that, where he explains like, I've been here for years and like, you guys haven't seen me. Cause you know, I was, I was doing the regular thing. And then I think he realized like MMA fans, they, they love to hate you. So coming out there with your funny little glasses and screaming into mics, like people, people hate it, but they love it. And, you know, everybody's like, he popped out of nowhere. It's like, nah, dude, he's been there. He just figured out like, it's time to change it and figure out what makes me unique. And man, and it's very unique. Yeah. Like it's total. And I mean, like I watch, uh, I mean, basketball fan. I don't know if you watch AM hoops, but Casey was around before he was just doing other stuff in basketball. And then when he kind of figured it out, went out on his own, like, boom. There's this thing. So there's all sorts of people in sports that way. It's just, and that's the other thing you got to do too. I mean, if you're in the business, you can't just look at MMA to try and figure things out. You got to watch a little bit out of basketball or football or baseball or hockey or whatever to try and figure out what your thing's going to be. But that's it. I mean, if you just think, well, I don't know. Uh, I like Luke Thomas. I'm going to be firm and to the point. I might say a little bit of controversial stuff, but I'm going to, totally model my stuff after him but he's already bigger and people are already watching yeah, like you right. gotta you gotta kind of figure out what your niche is well and it's difficult too because sometimes you fall into the trap of like you mentioned like you know i want to be the next luke thomas it's like you can't like you can be a version of it but if you think you're gonna grow that big beard and then you know and, and he's got such a good style of like when he's debating it's like everyone's an idiot except me and, and that's what makes him so successful <laughs> but it's like you can't get away with that because there's already someone getting away with that, you know? And even for me, like doing interviews, you don't want to fall into that trap of being like the off-brand James Lynch, like a shittier version of someone else. It's it's a very difficult thing to do. It's definitely tough to do. And I mean, like when I, I don't even know, like I'm trying to think when I started doing the, the, the podcast, it was okay. Well, I already like these baseball shows. So how can I morph a baseball show and kind of make it like MMA? And I can talk my numbers, but they're not so plain. 
Well, it was pretty plain because I was just talking in a microphone. Nobody can find it. They're two-hour episodes where I'm talking about Ramiz Brahimai, where he's fighting with LFA. I think he was 6-0. and Like I still remember some of those early episodes. And then it was, okay, I brought on John Morgan, and I brought on like different people, and I thought, okay, maybe I can kind of model it like you've got MMA Junkie Radio. Maybe I can take a little bit from that. But that's the thing. Then you fall into the trap. I'm too much like those people. How can I change it up a little bit? And maybe you have to look to other sports, but it's, it is tricky. It is tricky. And it's a balance too. Well, the, the main thing is, uh, you know, and I, I try to ask for feedback, but I also don't like to bother people, but you know, sort of doing the same thing over and over again and being shitty at it. And you don't realize it because you're the one that's doing it. Like people act like you have a lot of awareness when you're in the moment, like you're doing these interviews, you're, you're not focusing on, you know, how am I standing? Do I sound good? You're just like, I'm trying to do this interview. And that's why sometimes like, if you don't have anyone to tell you like, Hey man, that sucked. You're going to end up doing that every time and then wonder why it's not working. It's like, yeah, because you suck and you don't realize it. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, it's really funny. I would try and do every single week or every couple of weeks. I do a little tweak. I just change something. So if it was picks and predictions, make this font a little bit bigger, make this a little bit different. Like just, I would change up our graphics just a little bit that I figure nobody's going to really notice it but I'll see if it hits. And if it doesn't hit, then go back or whatever. It's funny to go back like this time last year and then look at what I'm doing now, man, our videos look bad. Like, and it's, and it's just a year, but it was every single week I do something different. Now it's kind of, I, I feel personally like I've got it a little bit more tuned in, but to the point, if I'm trying to branch out, uh, you know, you get it. You, you can even get yourself into a little bit of creative rut where you're doing the same thing every time. Now I, I'm tasked with coming up with a new show. I have no idea what to make it look like. Like, yeah. And then you're really at a point where, yeah, I could probably use a little bit of feedback on that too. That's the funny thing you mentioned looking back at your old videos. Like, I think no one's things have aged worse than mine. Like, anytime I look back at those old, and I'm like, they're unwatchable. Like, the fighters, like you mentioned, they're doing it in the, you know, the interview in their car with Pixelated. They look better than I do, and I'm sitting at a desk taking myself too seriously. So it's like you watch that, and it's like, yeah, I've improved. But it's like at the time, I didn't realize I needed to improve. At the time, I was like, ah, if it if the content's good, the what's well, not good? And if you don't have someone to say like, you know, it's not good, my guy, like the computer webcam is not good, then you know that's that's how you fall into that trap. Yeah, you're right. And then, yeah, it's just it's always tricky. It's always tricky. It gets easier. I think it gets easier once you <laughs> get going. I hope. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those things like you just got to keep at it and keep working at it. Because if you just, if you think, hey, that's it, that's the pinnacle, yeah. then you're never going to go anywhere from it. So so what what's your goal like in this industry? Like obviously Fight Night Picks has become this gigantic thing, but is it going to get to a point where you want to rival like other websites, other shows, or are you going to reach that point where you're hoping to get that full-time offer? Like what, what's kind of the goal for you in this industry? Not really a big rival guy. You know, I used to be, obviously you have to be competitive, but at the same time, like, like you said, right at the start, there's so many people out there doing fight companions now that it's just a thing to do. Yeah. There, there's so many people out there doing that. There's so many people out there that are doing a, every which way, everything. I've got a couple of ideas and they're not even like off camera ideas. I've got a couple of ideas. They're pretty big. They're pretty grandiose. So we'll see how that goes. But once things open up and there's live shows, obviously I'd like to do more with that. A lot more of the fan interaction than just me. Hey, this is the fighter I'm talking about today. Here's the preview. Here's the pick. See you later. So for me, it's, you know, we, we actually have a website. 
Most people don't know about it. There's a website out there. You can check that out. There's different stuff on there too. There's podcasts out there. I just, yeah, I want to kind of grow it that way. The other thing too, you can only go so far with this. There's only so many people that want fight picks and predictions. So you eventually kind of tap that out. And I think we're kind of getting to that point. So you got to try and branch out, but yeah, it, it, it really, the whole growth strategy kind of all depends on when we can get back to somewhat of a sense of normalcy. And also, even if there's live events in Florida and Texas, you're not going to see me there because if I go there, then I have to come home and quarantine for two weeks. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. That, that, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff with the, you know, going down to Florida and it kind of feels, it kind of feels gross. Like a cesspool of, you're almost sure you're going to come back with something, even if it's not, you know, COVID, it's going to be something else. Like it just, I don't know. To me, it sounds, it sounds gross. <laughs> just got to knock wood. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there like, there's going to be media members there for sure. John Morgan um, but... has to be there legally. I mean, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the, yeah, I remember that first show that was in Brazil uh the kevin lee Oliveira card when it like dropped out fans no fans no media yep. whatever they made such a big deal about random marcos and john mcdessey when they came back to canada they had a quarantine for two weeks and everybody in the states went nuts like how crazy this is archaic this is insane and then you look at what dan hookers had to do and adesanya and the oh. fighters from new zealand and even australia too but up here it's the same way like you still have to quarant- i can't go to another province and if, like, if I decided today, hey, I want to go to Quebec, well, I could go there. But as soon as I get back to New Brunswick, I have to quarantine for two weeks. No ifs, ands, or buts. You could test negative as many times as you want. You're still going to be here for two weeks. I could go to Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, wherever. I'm stuck here in a box for two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, what, like, you, you re- it's even hard to go to the States. Like, you can't just, you can't drive up to the border and go to the States anymore. <laughs> You can fly, but you can't drive. So yeah, it's it's really tricky that way. But it's kind of neat. It's going to be a neat experiment to see how they make that uh, make that one work. The the United States thing is weird because you know in in August uh, so twenty twenty you know I went back to the United States to live there, and so I thought going in there's going to be quarantining, testing, all this stuff. So I went out, got uh, you know the the nose swab to show that I didn't have COVID, the the blood test show I never had it. Nobody. And nobody cared whether I had it or not. Like I literally, as long as I had my mask on, unless I was eating chips or something on the plane, nobody cared. Like the whole time I'm thinking like, all right, I got to be strategic and I got to have my papers ready and someone's going to check and I have my green card. It felt like nobody gave a shit. Like I did the whole, the whole trip and nobody cared when I got in. Nobody asked if I had it. Like it kind of felt like, did I, you know, I kind of overprepared a little bit. Like I felt like James Bond going in and then I realized like it's not that deep. No. And I mean, like even... Okay, back in August or so, I went to Ontario at one point. You just hopped on a plane. I mean, you wore your mask, but you hopped on a plane, you got there, you did your thing, you came back. If it was just, let's say it was just me on vacation, if I went there, I would have had to quarantine, you know, you'd have to get a COVID test, all that, stay at home. I was essential service in the career portion of Craig Allen's life, so I could go back out and do whatever, but everybody was sketched out about it because... Where I'm at right now, where we have a spike in one part of the province, and there's only about 120 cases of COVID. For about, let's say, maybe a million people, you get about 100 cases. We've been baseline like 40, 50 here for a while. So it's not like a big thing here, but you have to follow the rules. You have to wear your mask. You have to sanitize. Like it's really, 
it's quite a process. So it's been different to kind of see how different places have been doing it. Now, even with us, if you're doing the two shots of the COVID vaccine, they're spacing them out by like four months up here, which is a little kind of kooky. Yeah. But for you guys, it's like bang, bang, one, two, like only a couple weeks between them. So it's just interesting to see how different it is between the two. So well, before we wrap things up, because we are reaching the end of our time, but I want to talk about Loudmouth a little bit because I feel like you guys had such a good crew there. And then everyone kind of, and and maybe I'm missing something, but it kind of feel like everybody left to do their own thing and everybody's very successful in everything they're doing. But you guys at one point had really this dream team of guys. And I, even looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I'd found a way to sneak my name in there because you guys had something going on with the Loudmouth stuff. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Kyle running the show, Keith doing the production end of things, and now they're what? They're part of SureDog Radio somehow, some way. So they've got uh, they've got that going on. Um, but yeah, it just kind of the way that it worked out was I was kind of looking at doing more of my own things. I was doing three shows a week. It was between the links. We had a new Tuesday show that the name just escapes me, and then on Wednesday we had early stoppage, which ended up on another network somewhere. So we, we had that show too between myself and John Franklin, but early stoppage or sorry, between the links. I mean, Mike had, Mike was host. There's Davidson, Keith, myself, John would kind of guest every now and again. And then you'd up, end up with all sorts of different, like it was a revolving door. I mean, I think the best episode of the show, I wasn't even there. Like I wasn't even on the episode when it happened, but it was uh, Aaron Bronstetter's Nick Diaz thing. If you want to go back and find something crazy, it's Aaron Bronstetter reading a quote that you'd have no idea what it was. And it made no sense. And it was so not Aaron Bronstetter. And it was a Nick Diaz quote. So it was just kind of crazy the way that the shows kind of came together. Um, obviously, they already had a blueprint before I got there. I got there. We started Between the Links. And now Between the Links is on MMA Fighting with Mike Hex. So, yeah, it's just it, it kind of Mike ended up with MMA Fighting. I just had way too much going on. And at the time too, um, you know, it was kind of looking like I was going to have a bit of a different move in my career, same company, but a different role, which I ended up taking. Um, and, you know, when things open back up again, I'm going to be limited on my time anyway. It just so happens that I'm home pretty well every night. So I can still kind of manage and, and do a little bit of content here and there. Um, but that happened at the same time. So has everything kind of fell into place? between the links went elsewhere early stoppage went elsewhere and and listen those guys are still doing a good job over sure dog um and sure dog radio but yeah it just sucks i mean we don't, i don't get to see davidson anymore when he shaved his head yeah that was kind of crazy too yeah no it was those shows were a lot of fun for sure i think and we did talk about this a long time ago but i think what caught people off guard was like how uh how seriously some of these people took it. Like Keith, Keith was ready to rip your heart out if you said something stupid. Like, I think you even said you had some guests that were like, hey, that was cool, but I ain't coming back on. Like, it was, I, I, like, I like how unique it was in that sense. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I mean, you know, JHK is doing the interviews with our channel now when yeah. he and I were just kind of going back and forth and kind of fleshing things out. He brought that show up and he was like, man, I was on that show one time and like, it didn't go well. And I was so like intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so you talked about Luke Thomas's way of arguing. And if I went to my mom's house, I, I idiot, I got a class ring when I was in high school, but on the side of my class ring and not idiot, people kind of made fun of me, but I had debate on the side of my class ring. Cause yeah. I was in debate grade 10, 11 and 12. And I go around to tournaments in the province and I took it pretty darn seriously. So when it was on that show, you knew when you could have fun, 
But if yeah. you had to dig your heels in and go at like a Keith or a Davidson, you try, you would try not to go at the guests too hard, but yeah, you, uh, it, there were opportunities for that for sure. It, it was fun though. Cause you know, obviously, you, you know, you get invited onto a show like that. I was only able to do it once because that was the one time I was in America and the times lined up and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch a few just to kind of get ready for the format. And it was like, Oh, okay. You know, take your glasses off, take your suit off. Like, don't just read off some stats. Like, Go at these guys. Be a little bit aggressive. You know that this guy you can sort of make fun of. If this guy you make fun of him, he's gonna come at your ass. Like, it, but for that, it it was fun. And I feel like BTL now with, with MMA fighting, it's got a version of that. But if you don't have the screaming Boston guy on the show, then you're just never gonna catch the true essence of what that show once was. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, uh, I haven't had the chance to watch it. But I mean, now listen, they've got a good revolving cast there, and they bring on, uh, they bring on some of their own guests, and they they do a good job. But you're right, it's not. But again, it's MMA fighting, so you can't really have somebody screaming and getting too intense. And you got to kind of watch your cuss yeah. words like I watch when I'm on other shows, but also my own shows. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a different show, but it's still good. How, how did you get, you know, obviously I know it could be it's sort of a weird subject, but how did you guys feel seeing like all these different shows end up on all these different networks? Like I assume part of it, it's like, oh, cool. And then another part where it's like, that was us, man. Like what happened? Like that, I felt that way about some of them and I wasn't even a part of it. So with what you can tell us, how did it feel when you started seeing stuff like that? I mean, it took a little bit of time. I want to say before between the links was on MMA fighting. And I mean, John and I wanted to keep doing a show and that show. So we ended up just continuing to do the show anyway. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always weird when stuff like that happens. I mean, it's kind of like, listen, cheers is cool but we've got the show called Frasier. You're going to really <laughs> like it. So yeah, it's, it's always kind of weird just watching it from afar. Um, you know, obviously I kept in contact, like I was talking to Keith this weekend about the main event UFC 260. I was talking to, uh, well, John Franklin's still a part of the network and did the recap show last night. Like I still chat with Mike Heck and I still chat with Davidson. So it's not that weird, but it was like, you know, they always say, oh, it's, well, it's appointment viewing. Well, it was appointment for me. I mean, like I would get fired up for Monday nights for between the lengths. And, you know, again, you try and figure out who the guest was and you'd watch their stuff to see how kind of hard you could go at it a little bit. Like you try and get an idea, but uh, yeah, it's always, it's always weird kind of trying to watch from, from way back. But I mean, listen, you obviously you don't wish anything bad against those guys and you want to see them succeed too. So, I mean, Mike, Mike's doing a hell of a job over with MMA fighting Keith, um, you know, the, the rest of the guys, I know Ben Duffy and Keith do a show over with, uh, with sure dog. They do a great job. Davidson's kind of got his own thing going. He's merching the beat of his own drum on YouTube and he's finding success there. So it's just good to see, uh, that everybody's doing well. Plus what I like too, is that it's easy to fizzle out when stuff like that stops. But I like the fact that when, when, you know, when Mike announced he was leaving, he was going to MMA fighting, you're very happy for him, but you're like, what happens to these guys? And I'm glad to see that everybody figured out their own thing. And, and even the ones that are more independent, like say yourself, you still have a lot of success with what you do. So it was cool to see like everyone's in a good position, you know, even though it's over now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, still keeping the conversation going, nobody's going to know that. I mean, most people probably figure I just go back into my hermit hole and yeah, exactly. it's just me and Matt Allen. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's good to see. And I mean, for fighting too, I mean, they, they have such an interesting cast of characters now. It's just kind of neat to see where, where, where they're at and the content that they're putting out. 
For sure. All right. Listen, man, when we wrap things up, I always let the guests, uh, you know, do the little shout outs, anything they want to plug. I assume you've got a ton of stuff. You're, you're wearing the merch, but there's no uh, no logo from any promotions on there. So there we go. So listen, man, anything you want to shout out, if you want to remind people that you are a grown ass man, uh, now would be the time. I'm married. I'm 26. I've got a Canadian flag on the side of my shirt. Um, no, I mean, you, you really capped it off well. Like, uh, you know, obviously wish uh, nothing but the best for for everybody from some of the shows that we were on. I mean, like you said, Mike, Keith, uh, Kyle, the list goes on from from Loudmouth. They really kind of, they really helped, helped me kind of figure out my voice in the space. Like, you know, I do my own thing, but it was super polished. And you kind of have to learn when you can be serious, when you can be silly, when you can kind of figure things out. So really have to thank those guys. And then especially with Fight Night Picks, I mean, we, we've got a really interesting few months ahead of us. We started this show kind of talking about how busy the slate's going to be in MMA coming up. Uh, so there's obviously going to be a lot to talk about. We're going to be branching out a little bit more with some of our content. So you're going to have to stick around for some of that. And uh, yeah, this week is one of those ones where if I could fire up the margarita machine and sit on the back deck, I would, but it's cold and it was snowing earlier on today. So I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Um, you can always find us at Fight Night Picks if you want to pick up some of the merch, you can. But uh, yeah, you can find us there, YouTube, on the socials. It's all at Fight Night Picks. And uh, really looking forward to a busy spring and wishing you nothing but the best too, sir. Oh, stop. Well, listen, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. For the people that made it to the end, holy shit, you made it to the end. That almost never happened. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll see you for episode 27.